Hello and welcome to the Biotech 2050 podcast. Biotech 2050 is a think tank chronicling the disruptions changing the biotech industry over the next several decades. Check out our website at biotech2050.com. I'm one of today's co-hosts, Alok Tai. I'm the VP of Life Sciences at Ignite, and we're a secure content platform focused on key global industries. Hi, I'm Rahul Chaturvedi, today's other co-host. I'm also the founder and CEO of Clora. Clora is a two-sided marketplace that leverages software to match top-tier life sciences expertise to biotech companies. I'm excited to welcome Joyelle Silva, the general manager of Pfizer Center One at Pfizer, and Nicole Strauss, pipeline development and innovation lead at Pfizer Center One. Thanks to both of you for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So we'd love to just start off with each of your backgrounds and how you got to what you guys are working on today. So my name is Joyelle Silva. I'm the general manager of Pfizer Center One, and thank you for having me today. So my background, I began my career uh, at Pfizer 21 years ago as a sales representative and was privileged enough to have different roles within the sales and marketing organization, going on to have different responsibilities with leading alliances. Most of my experience has been in the U.S., with the exception of the last three roles being global in nature. And I'm really proud of the work that I've been able to be a part of on several teams to see business partnerships and alliances, be in a chief of staff type of position, and more recently coming over as the general manager for Pfizer Central One. And I'm really pleased that Nicole Strauss is here with me today. So Nicole, I turn it to you to do a brief background and introduction. Thank you, Joyelle. So Nicole Strauss, I've worked at Pfizer for over 19 years in various roles and positions in supply chain, procurement, business development, contract manufacturing, and currently I am the pipeline development and innovation lead at Pfizer Center One. I lead a team focused on providing competitive intelligence to identify key growth opportunities across our business. In particular, we're working to identify opportunities where we can offer early development services to our customers. My team also provides technology and regulatory support to meet our customer needs. Awesome. Well, we're really glad to have you both on the podcast today. You know, maybe to kick us off, we'd love to learn a little bit more about the contract manufacturing industry, the CDMO space, and have you sort of seen the role of such organizations evolve in the context of drug development? Thank you very much for the question. I'm pleased to have a conversation about this because it's something that I feel is changing pretty rapidly. So the contract development manufacturing space is over 150 to $200 billion industry. And it really is comprised of several big pure play players, which really are those that do end-to-end services. And it's comprised of also smaller shops that do very specialized technology. And Pfizer Center One is probably somewhere in between on that mix. The biggest thing that I think one can think about, whether you're a small biotech and you're just in the very early stages of drug development, or whether you are a large company and you are trying to just diversify your supply chain for supply reliability, the needs of the partners truly change. And so the one thing that I think is constant and will continue to evolve the CDMO space is that you have a choice in who your supplier is, and that also, no matter who you select, it is going to be a partnership and a partnership that evolves based on needs. I am not of the belief that one CDMO, even when someone offers all of the services that are out there in the space, um, is truly going to be able to do everything for everyone. So despite the fact that it's such a large industry, and honestly, the growth rate 
I know even for Pfizer Center One, last year in 2019, we delivered $800 million in revenue with a 9% growth rate. I know that I personally am very proud to be part of Pfizer Center One, where products that we are able to have a hand in making and producing and developing that aren't Pfizer products, but they're our partners' products, yet we take the same care of them that we would take with our own. So it's a pretty unique space to be, and we're just really happy to be in such a competitive and growing market. Awesome. I'm curious if you could please comment on the diversity of medicines that we're starting to see emerge, especially from a modality perspective. Uh, Historically, it used to be all small molecules. Now we're looking at monoclonal antibodies, ADCs, cell therapies. How have you seen the CDMO industry evolve given these new types of medicines that are emerging? It's interesting. So even though the industry is evolving and the headlines that you are going to read are most commonly going to be about investments and capabilities around monoclonal antibodies, gene therapies, targeted therapies, and personalized medicine, all of us at some point have been patients in our lives. And so as a patient, I consider all of those improvements in how we're going to be treated ultimately. If I can take a medicine that is much more targeted to my ailment, whatever that may be, that's been engineered specifically for me and it's specialized and potentially it might have a better outcome rate That's certainly something that's of interest to me, both as a patient and also, you know, having a family and being a caregiver for my parents. That's something that I'm interested in. The piece for me that's very different is we we don't often hear about the medicines that are in the solid oral dose, you know, tableting technologies, capsules. Uh, I know we're doing something soon on coding technologies at several of our manufacturing sites to make sure that folks are aware we do that as Pfizer Center One. Sometimes those don't make the headlines, but what's interesting is that is the backbone of medicine for most of the globe, or medicines that we depend on and rely on every day that use tableting technology. And now also in the hospital setting, the sterile injectable portfolios of medicines, whether they be older medicines or newer medicines, they're still pretty much the bedrock and the foundation for how sites of cares like hospitals and other, you know, kind of acute care centers are dependent on. So though the targeted therapies receive probably the most attention, there's still something to be said for the bedrock, I would say, of solid oral dose and sterile injectables. And maybe just to add also, besides, you know, hearing in the news with the capital expenditures and those new modalities, as we look at the targeted therapies, they're not blockbuster drugs. Their volumes are going to be much smaller. So one of the key areas also that I think that the CDMO industry is looking at, but it's often probably not talked about, is the scale of the technology at the facilities and whether or not that's an appropriate scale for that targeted therapeutic use of that product. And so again, something for potential partners and customers to take a look at. And so the concept of an embedded CDMO is quite unique. We'd love to go back to the founding of Pfizer Center One and what was the rationale behind starting an embedded CDMO and where do you hope to take it? Yeah, so thanks. Uh, I'll take a stab at that question. And I think it's a pretty interesting journey. Pfizer, through our manufacturing site uh, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, has a long history of developing specialty APIs, primarily in the steroid and hormone space. So our Kalamazoo manufacturing site was one of the first to develop a different way to make steroids. And that's what they're known for. And they've been known for this for well over 40 years. So Pfizer was originally had a business called Pfizer Center Source. 
So that is really how we started as a supplier for these specialty APIs, of which that's still a large channel of our business model. Then we acquired a company called Hospira. We brought in some of the contract manufacturing businesses with Hospira, and that was originally called Hospira One-to-One. So when we merged the two, Pfizer Center One was born. So our business channels now, we're a leading supplier of APIs. We're responsible for the tech transfer of many products that are divested at Pfizer. We make sure that those patients taking what might once have been a Pfizer product when it has a new owner, we successfully transfer it, and that gives us a host of experience on how to do tech transfers. And then our third area of the business is truly being a embedded CDMO. So we offer development services, which I know Nicole will speak to more. We offer contract manufacturing across APIs, sterile injectables, solid oral dose, and biologics. So it's uh, it's been an interesting journey, and um, yes, we're we're incredibly pleased with the growth that we've had last year, which I referenced earlier. So we're we're not for everyone, but when you're looking for a partner, and you know you are able to think about us as a specialty supplier of APIs, and also as being able to offer something we call intelligent collaboration. You know, if you are spending your time, your resources, your headspace all around drug development, who you trust is absolutely critical. And that's where for Pfizer Center One, we have a culture built on trying to be that partner of choice for our customers, where we want to understand your processes, understand your needs, and then make sure that we are able to offer through the Pfizer network of global manufacturing sites, those capabilities for your product. So that's a little bit about how we came to be and uh, and hopefully what we will be able to continue to achieve in the future. Great. What percentage of the work that's being done at Pfizer Center One is for Pfizer versus for external folks? The work that we do for Pfizer Center One is all for external 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 companies. Very cool. I'm curious, you know, given the breadth of services and capabilities that Pfizer Center One has, what are your favorite type of projects to work on? From the development standpoint and and working with our chemists and our scientists, the harder the challenge, the more fun it is. You know, they're very excited. I mean, we don't look at these as Pfizer products. I mean, there are products and we want to bring that innovative therapy to our patients. So they're excited if they can solve the problem that a customer might be having and do it as quickly as possible so that we can take them through their clinical phases and then on to uh, manufacturing and launch. But I would say, you know, we have that breadth of expertise and knowledge and just the years of experience behind us that we can offer our customers. Awesome. And in that lens, as you work with a myriad of different external partners or or customers, what advice can you share for biotechs looking to find a CDMO in terms of either finding the right partner and or upfront at the beginning, setting up that partnership for success? Yeah, I definitely, as you even pivoted from customer to partner, um, that's how we we really look at it. Uh, I think, you know, one of the successes that we have is being able to put together that dedicated team on our end. And it runs throughout all of our functional areas from the plant site to supply chain, to development, to analytical. And then we try to um, have that on the customer side as well. Now, not all customers are as 
as advanced and have all those organizations. And so to identify, you know, really who's taking the lead in, in that part of the process is also very key. But really, you know, the successes that I've had within Pfizer Center One on our partnerships, and then if I look back to my history of being on the opposite side of the table with outsourcing and being part of the external supply organization for Pfizer, it's so important that the relationship is there that the culture is there. It's an open communication. We're working together on this. We, we want to see the success of the product in our patients' hands. Um, and that's first and foremost on our minds. And I think that that's truly the key and that we continue to build that relationship throughout the customer journey, no matter if it might be years on end, you know, if we've started with a product that's in the early stages of clinical. A question about your backgrounds and you know, switching from being within Pfizer to now being part of the embedded CDMO within Pfizer. And would love to hear your thoughts about what that transition looked like for you and perhaps some of the nuances that you hadn't anticipated going from sponsor to, to CDMO that might be helpful to, to our listeners. From the background that I had, you know, so I was I started my career um kind of having conversations with healthcare professionals about branded products and why, you know, a brand was appropriate and utilized for a patient. If, if I really go back to my education, which was in biology, and I spent quite a bit of time working um, as a nurse when I was between high school, college, and summer jobs uh, as a nursing assistant. And one of my roles was taking care of patients. And it was just normal things, you know, temperature, pulse, respiration, making sure patients were propped up in bed, had everything that they needed. But there was something about that that for me was enormously powerful. It kind of became a compass and it was a privilege to be able to take care of people. And sometimes they were very ill. And I went back to tell you that story because I spent time in front of customers as a representative in the sales function, key account management in the marketing area of Pfizer with how are we going to bring a product to market or now where, you know, prior to this role where I had the opportunity to lead another type of business within Pfizer, a chief of staff type of position. All of those, even though I might have faced a different end user group, and yes, I can still think about the patients and their names that I used to see when I would go to work every single day as a nursing assistant, you know, at like 20 years old and see the names on the board and take a look at if that patient was going to be there and what medicines they were on and what they were going to need for the day. And for me, knowing that I have been able to see how the patient gets the medicine, how the medicine's made, how the medicine is marketed, how it gets, you know, physically to the, the education that needs to go to the people that are delivering the medicine. I was just fascinated by all of it. Um, but it really, for me, came back to keeping that patient front of mind. So I didn't know a lot about Pfizer Center One. And so when I switched from kind of the innovator side of our own products to, okay, now we're going to help partners. I mean, for me, what what more could you ask for? Now I have the chance to access Pfizer's capabilities and technologies, but through a really robust firewall and IP protection that we've built, we're able to sit with the partner and to use confidentiality at the very core and listen to their idea of the product they want to bring to that patient and be able to assist with the backing of you know, Pfizer's global manufacturing behind us for how to deliver that. Great, thanks. Now, uh, switching gears a bit, I'd love to take this opportunity having two female leaders on the podcast to hear your thoughts on women in leadership positions across the life sciences. 
and what you think are significant areas where we've made great progress and what you'd like to also see change or improve over the next, let's say, five to 10 years. So I think maybe just to start, you know, just growing up, I've always been interested in uh, the math and sciences and knew very early on that the medical field in itself wasn't going to be a fit for me um, as I faint at the sight of blood, which is an irony (laughs) because my mother is a dialysis nurse. But um, (laughs) with all that said, you know, I think then my path, you know, that I was looking to go down was engineering and actually chemical engineering was where I really felt the best fit or what interest me. And so actually, I didn't start in the life sciences. I started at a um, specialty chemical as a process engineer, but that's manufacturing and very similar to um, how our small molecule APIs are manufactured. And then I had the opportunity to move to Pfizer and take all that manufacturing knowledge and understanding and now pivot it to the life sciences. And just even as I look at you know my life, I have two children now and they have all of their four grandparents. It's the power of the medicines you know, that we've been able to develop and commercialize over the years, just even for general therapies for cholesterol, for high blood pressure, for diabetes, to continue with the potential um, for our lives to be more meaningful. And you know, just from a leadership perspective, I've always remembered you know, those managers, those mentors, those colleagues that I've had and the impact that they've had on me and realizing how they treated me was how I want to treat others. The other part that I do take pride in is being able to show the success of my team. I think it's important for your colleagues to understand that you've got their back, that they have great perceptions and insights and to be really a great listener was something also that uh, I really try to do. Wonderful. Well, I really appreciate the role model that you guys both serve, I think, for uh, young women everywhere. And um, if you guys were to give a little bit of advice to young women who are early on in their career, what would that be? I'd say never take a job because you think you have to take it just to get to the next step. To take a job because you're curious and you really want to understand how to do something, how, how to do something. So many times that next step can look like it. A hundred people will tell you, oh, you need, you need to, or you should, or have you thought about, or maybe, you know, check this box. And I think some of the best roles that I've ever had were jobs that I never thought that I would ever even consider. But I had a curiosity of, oh, okay, I can find out a little bit more about this. Maybe this is something that I would like. So I would say be brave and uh, don't don't take the first thing. Do a, do a job not because you feel like you have to, but because you're actually curious and you want to learn something. Nicole, what would you say? Yeah, I would, I would second out that and the be brave. I often find that it's most rewarding when you've stepped out and you've done something that you thought you never would or makes you uncomfortable. Uh, I think that's really when uh, you live up to your potential and you really feel that you've made a difference. Awesome. Well, really great sage advice, I think, for the next generation. Um, so maybe before we close out here, you know, one question we often like to ask our guests is, do you guys feel like we're in the golden age of biotech right now? I hope so for a variety of reasons. If you read any article, you're, you're going to hear all about biotech thriving. I mean, I hope so both as a, as a patient, as a caregiver, on the other side of things, as obviously a partner in development and manufacturing. 
I, I have nothing to fear, and I'm only more and more excited by the potential therapies that I see coming. It really excites me. I agree. I mean, just even given our current circumstances and what we're working on and bringing potential vaccines and anti-infectives to the markets in a much faster pace than what we've ever seen before. And that collaboration um, between companies, I think, is very exciting. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to, to continuing that. Awesome. Well, you know, Joelle and Nicole would love to thank you both for uh, being on the podcast today and talking to us a little bit about, you know, the CDMO industry and, and Pfizer Center One. I would love to have you guys back on the show in the future to learn more about the innovations you guys are bringing to the table. That would be great. Next time we ask you guys questions, how about that? Uh, I like that <laughs> a lot. <laughs> thank you both. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biotech 2050. This episode is hosted by me, Rahul Chaturvedi, and Alok Tai. It's edited and mixed by Megan Lovering. If you enjoyed this episode of Biotech 2050, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Biotech2050pod. Again, that's Biotech2050pod. Until next time.